Hey, we're back with Words to Live By, our summer series here at Central Heights. And today our special guest is Wes Braun. You're gonna get a chance to get to know him a little better. And then he's gonna share a scripture that's really impacted his life. So this is gonna be a good time that we're gonna spend with one another. So Wes, welcome here. Thank you, yeah, and, good to be um, here. So tell me about what you got on the table here. Oh, okay, sure. So this is a, a drink or a container that holds a drink. It's called Yerba Mate. It's a Mennonite drink, and uh, I got introduced to it while I was at CBC. It was very popular there, mm -hmm. so it's very refreshing. This is a, a ball, it's called Chinglo. I was in Myanmar for eight months, and this is a game that we would play quite often while we were there. It's kind of like hacky sack, but with a bamboo ball. Okay. This is my favorite vinyl, um, a band called The Paper Kites, so I really enjoy that, that vinyl. And then this is a film camera that belonged to my dad's dad. So uh, it was given to me and I, yeah, I really like photography. So. so all these things reflect a bit of who you are. They do indeed. All right. Yes. So are you an Abbotsford boy or uh, where yep. were you born? Where'd you grow up? Yeah. Born and raised in Abbotsford. Yeah. Really? Born at MSA Hospital? Probably. Okay. Yeah, I think so. All right. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't yeah. ask your parents at the time. I, I know. I didn't, I didn't think to all ask right. them. <laughs> so went to school here. Where'd you go? Yeah. Where did you go to school in Abbotsford? I went to Abbotsford Christian School. Okay. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Is that like elementary, middle school, high school? Yeah, well, I, I did preschool twice, actually, because my mom was my preschool you failed, teacher. You failed the first time. I just couldn't get my colors. <laughs> it was tricky. Getting color between the lines. Yeah, exactly. Still can't. <laughs> and then you growed up. <laughs> yes, I did. Yeah. Okay. And your family actually has been part of Central Heights for a while. Yeah. So mm -hmm. when did that happen? And yeah, how long have you been part of Central Heights? Yeah, so my parents are Gord and Julie Braun, and they've been going to Central Heights for over 30 years. Um, so I was born into this church. Um, okay. so, <laughs> yeah, maybe I was born at the church, not MSA. <laughs> Just we need to check that out. <laughs> That's right. But yeah. yeah. All right. So mm -hmm. you, you started coming here when you were in diapers. I was, uh, yes. We'll go there. There's probably some people that are watching that. Hey, I changed that voice. They diapers. probably remember me. Yeah, oh. exactly. That's great. Mm -hmm. And so um, what was your childhood like? Yeah. So I had a brother. His name's Curtis. I had a sister uh, named Alana and yeah, grew up in a Christian home. was really, really thankful for that. And uh, yeah, our, my siblings and I, we got along great. Of course, I was the younger brother who always liked to tease. Okay. Are uh, you the youngest? I am the youngest. Yeah. Oh, I'm the youngest. Not surprising. Not okay. surprising. Yeah. But as a kid, I remember I, uh, I always loved singing. So it makes sense why I'm doing what I'm doing today. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, but my, what do you do, by the way? Oh, yeah, I'm the worship arts oh, pastor. Oh, worship arts Yeah, pastor. here at this okay. church. Cool. That's great. I've seen you before. Okay, uh, nice. All right. Yeah, so I love singing, and my granddad was actually my uh, inspiration because he would always sing in an, an operatic voice. Mm -hmm. and whenever it was someone's birthday, he would sing happy birthday in an opera voice, and I always try to mimic him, and it went something yeah. like this. Happy birthday to you. And that was my inspiration. So do you still do that? No. I still do on that. Your, on your own? Like totally. <laughs> he's not there. You're at a birthday party? For sure. Got to okay. keep the tradition Wes going. Wes is going to so. do opera. Cool. Yeah. Well, I, I notice you don't lead that way when you're leading us in worship. So no. Maybe probably there. You want to, but you hold back. Eventually, yeah. That's okay. at the three-year mark. I'll okay. bring that out. All right. Well, yeah, because you're still on probation. Too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So weak. Mm -hmm. So, uh, you know, was... Um, was it like childhood? Like what were the things you liked to do hmm. other than singing in the, yeah. in the birthdays? Yeah, <laughs> at birthdays. Um, I actually remember I always wanted to be a scientist as a kid. 
which is so funny because oh, really? I do not think that at all now. But I was always so uh, amazed at, uh, I remember like watching cartoons and they like put the two chemicals together mm -hmm. and then things would blow up. So yeah. I, that's what I thought it meant to be a scientist. Okay. Uh, but then when I was in middle school and I realized that there's a whole lot more to it, <laughs> I decided that wasn't for me. You blew but that dream up. Huh? Exactly, <laughs> literally, yeah. And then when did, you, when did you sort of think, hey, I could be a worship pastor? Yeah, so I, uh, I got involved in worship teams in middle school. Um, and that was actually a really meaningful part of my relationship with God going deeper mm -hmm. when I discovered that I could use music as a way of connecting with God and worshiping Him through the okay. gift that God had given me. So yeah, I was involved with worship teams in middle school and then that continued throughout high school and eventually I started to lead teams pretty regularly mm -hmm. uh, at high school and then also uh, at Central Heights Church. Lyndon was the worship pastor at the mm -hmm. time and gave me a lot of uh, opportunities. Sorry, Lyndon? <laughs> That's right, the Connections pastor here now. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yes. Okay. I, so, I think I know him too. Yeah, mm -hmm. he's, he's, he's been here a while. Yeah. So yeah, so he gave me a lot of opportunity to grow in that gift. And mm -hmm. it's always just been something that I feel like God has just given me that gift and I wanted to give it back. So I had lots of opportunities to, to grow in that area. So wow. yeah. Now, a lot of people don't know a super super interesting how God worked out you becoming our worship pastor because hmm. our previous worship pastor happened to be my daughter yeah. who um, got stolen from our church by a guy who married her and hmm. took her off to another church and then yep. we had this two-year gap really where we were looking for a worship pastor and you know in hindsight you could see how God was just working in your life preparing you mm -hmm. for this position and then yeah. it just became obvious yeah this is the guy and hmm. so Man, are we ever glad that you're you're part of our team? So, um, but just to get to know you even a little better, um, like some of the experiences you've had. I know you also have a heart for missions, so mm -hmm. maybe tell us some of the experiences you've had with that. Yeah, totally. So in high school, I went on a couple uh, missions trips, and I just realized that I love people of of different culture. Mm -hmm. I love building relationship with people. Uh, even if there's a language barrier, that would actually always excite me because I wanted to be able to build a relationship with someone despite not being able to speak the same language. Yeah. So I went on a trip to Mexico, uh, San Diego, and Nicaragua, and every single uh, one of those trips just ignited just this passion and love for, uh, for different cultures. Mm -hmm. So uh, after high school, I worked for eight months, and then I, uh, I went and did a YWAM. Uh, in Australia, mm -hmm. and my outreach was in Myanmar, India, and Malaysia. Um, yeah, and specifically the country of Myanmar, I just really felt a stirring in my heart for mm -hmm. that country. And uh, I was just so amazed at what God was doing there, seeing people come to faith like so so easily. It was like really like low-hanging fruit in the mm -hmm. sense that people would hear the gospel and just respond to Jesus, Beautiful. see people get healed. So that was actually a big part of, of my, I feel like my parents' faith becoming my own when I, when mm -hmm. I saw that Jesus actually was alive. He was... Mm -hmm. Um, setting people free and people were coming to faith Still in Him. Still doing that. Still yeah. doing that to this day, yeah. Yeah, so I felt a stirring in my heart to want to study that, that more, so that's why I ended up at CBC um, okay. doing intercultural studies and a minor in worship arts. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I'm just kind of holding that open right now because that stirring uh, is still there, but I also yeah. have this passion for, for worship and pointing people to yeah. Jesus through music, so That's yeah. fantastic. Mm -hmm. Is there anything else our, our people should know about you? Um, mm -hmm. What's your relationship status on your Facebook page? What is that? Oh, what is that? I mean, technically, say? right now it is. It says single, but I am getting to know someone. I'm dating someone, oh, so that's very fun. That's inside information. That is inside right? information. Oh, yeah. Hope you don't mind that I went. <laughs> I mean, she's pretty great, so I don't mind at all. <laughs> of course, you're gonna say that. Yeah. Uh, mm -hmm. Fantastic. Yeah. What is your vision 
for worship at Central Heights. Hmm. I think people, it'd be great for them to hear, what's your heart for us yeah. in the area of worship? Totally. Yeah, I just have like this growing desire for, for passionate uh, worshipers to, to rise up. And something that I've always really, really valued is um, when we gather together to worship, we're gathering to meet with and encounter God, bring Him glory and offering of worship. But it doesn't stay there. We, we meet with God and then we are sent out into the world to reflect the, the glory that we just encountered as a church. Mm -hmm. So that's something that God's really put deeply in my heart is that we gather together to meet with God, but then we scatter as a church to reflect His glory uh, to the world. And both are so important, yeah. the coming together to, to uh, worship and then scattering to continue our worship yeah. throughout the week. I think that's really mm -hmm. reflected in the, the language we're using now, 168, right? Yeah. We're here, we're launched out to, to follow mm -hmm. Jesus every hour of the, of the week. Totally. And that's why it just naturally so resonated with where we were going as a church, because yeah. I think that's what God was putting in my heart already. So, yeah. Hey, we're so excited that you're part of this team. Thanks, and Tim. And the way yeah. that you lead us in worship, the way that you lead other people. Hmm. Um, personally, how I've seen you just model a tender heart before hmm. Jesus. I just... I just want to commend you, Wes, hmm. and um, tell you how much, you know, I, I appreciate you, but also hmm. I know our whole church family does. And hmm. we're really excited to hear you just share with us, you know, some verses that have impacted you personally. Yeah. And God bless you as you do hmm. that. Thank you so much. Really appreciate that. Yeah. Fear. Fear is something that I've wrestled with for a lot of my life. In fact, ever since I was a kid, I remember uh, whether it was when we were on a road trip as a family, and being so afraid that we were going to run out of gas uh, or the car was going to break down and we were going to be stuck in the middle of Palm Desert. Uh, or whether it was uh, my friend and I playing basketball and thinking that the local neighborhood uh, garbage man was actually secretly out to get us, even though clearly he wasn't. I also remember uh, when I was six years old, my brother, he actually burst into my room and he was crying and he was so fearful that I was going to be separated from um, my family and from God, and he thought that I was going to go to hell because I hadn't put my faith in Jesus yet. So I got super scared, and, and I was crying, and I remember being so fearful in that moment. But of course, the, the gospel was explained to me, and I, and I put my faith in Jesus. But I came to God out of, of a posture of, of fear. As I got older, um, fear again uh, began to take hold of me, but it expressed itself in different ways. I wasn't scared of the, the garbage man anymore, but I remember I, I really learned to live my life through the eyes of my, my peers. There was a, a smile on my face, but on the inside, I was, I was really crippled and drowning in fear. I desperately wanted to be approved of, uh, accepted, and, and valued, and I was constantly fearing rejection. And I wish that today I could say that I no longer wrestle with fear, and that there was a one-time moment in my life where God burst in and he delivered me completely of my fear. And for some people, that's the case, and that's amazing. But for me, it's been a bit more of a slower journey as God graciously and patiently has shown me that I actually have no reason to fear. And he invites me to believe and apply the truth of the gospel to my life. Two summers ago, I was interning at a church in California, uh, and I went forward for a time of prayer with one of the pastors there. Uh, and it was in this time of prayer that God actually gave me a really simple image, but it has really impacted me a lot to this day. The image was simply a father holding his son's hand, uh, leading him as they walked, and the father was looking down at the son, and the son, the young boy, was looking up at his father. And although it was such a, a simple image, it's, uh, it's brought a lot of healing to the way I see God, and also a lot of healing to the way that I see myself. 
It was so simple, and yet it communicated the simple and yet profound relationship that I, that I can have with God as my Father. Eventually, with this image came uh, Romans 8, 15 to 16. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves, but instead you've received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So this image that I received and this scripture that God gave me uh, it eventually inspired me to actually write a song encapsulating my journey uh, out of being a fearful slave and into adoption. And I'm actually going to share this song with us at the end of our time, so, so stay tuned. But uh, first I want to unpack the scripture. I've been told to, to do the pastor thing and explain the context and all that, so I'm going to do that a little bit. And, and it really is important, so uh, it's going to be good here. So the, the letter um, of Romans was written to the church uh, of Rome, and it was written by Paul to a people group, to a church that was really divided. This church consisted of Jewish people and non-Jewish people, and they both had varying beliefs. So it was Paul's goal to write a letter explaining the full truth of Jesus' life, death, and resurrection, and to see this divided church become unified, unified around Jesus. So in chapters 1 to 4, uh, we read about God's righteousness. And that's basically a word that means that God always does what is right and just, and he's faithful to keep his promises. So in light of this, Paul explains how all humanity are actually trapped in sin, uh, whether it's the Israelites or the non-Israelites. And they're not able to meet God's standard of holiness by obeying the law or the instructions that God had given his people. Um, their lack of obedience actually magnified that they needed a savior. So Paul then explains that Jesus, the son of God, um, became what we are, human, so that we could become what he is. He justified us, which is a churchy word that means that in Christ, God declares humanity right with God and forgiven. He welcomed us into his family, giving us a transformed life through Jesus. So this is kind of the backstage, the background to understand Romans 5 to 8, where Paul explains how being in this family means that we are actually part of a new humanity that God is continuing to create through Jesus and through his Holy Spirit. And God has actually now empowered us with his spirit to walk in God's good and right ways. What we couldn't do in our own strength, God now empowers us and fills us with his Holy Spirit. And uh, chapter 8, verse 6 confirms this when it says, Letting your sinful nature control your mind leads to death, but letting the sp Spirit control your mind leads to life and peace. And Paul actually says later that this is how we know that we're children of God, if we have a Spirit that is leading us. So all of that brings us to Romans 8, 15-16, a verse that I've really desired to live by. So I want to break this verse down into four sections and share uh, what this would have meant to the original hearers and what this has meant to my life personally, and then invite us as a church to apply these truths uh, to our lives. So you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. So fearful slaves. In the first century, the language of slavery would have meant a lot more to Paul's readers uh, who were in daily contact with people who were slaves, or even a reader of this letter could have been a slave uh, themselves. So it seems that Paul is actually suggesting that even if a slave were to read this letter, they too could be set free. But from what? The Roman oppressor? No, it seems like Paul is suggesting that they can be set free from the power of sin, which leads to fear. So the first century Jews would have been very familiar with their sin because of their lack of uh, obedience uh, to the law which God had given them. 
And this would have created uh, a deep sense of fear of not actually doing enough to obtain God's righteousness. And Paul even says in chapter 7, verse 7, Well then, am I suggesting that the law of God is sinful? Of course not. In fact, it was the law that showed me my sin. So the law revealed that the people um, were not completely right with God. And I can imagine that this would have left them feeling like they they couldn't quite be enough or do enough to uh, completely be right with God in their own strength. And I don't know about you, but I feel I can relate to Paul's audience. I often find myself asking the question, have I done enough? Or have I done enough to earn God's love? Or when I have done something super, super holy, like give someone water on a, on a hot day, then I think that I can uh, be worthy of God's love. But then when I wrestle with, with sin and I, 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 I sense greed or selfishness or lack of dependence on God or pride rise up in my heart, then I think, oh, how could God love me when he knows the state of my heart? And I'm realizing that these thoughts and questions are actually all motivated by fear. Fear of rejection, fear of failure, um, fear of not being enough. I mean, this may actually sound crazy, but this is actually good news because these fears are actually not from God's Holy Spirit. We have not been given a spirit that makes us fearful slaves, but we have been given God's spirit. So whenever I find myself falling into those fears, I remind myself that this is not from God's spirit, but rather uh, God's spirit um, fills us and he's adopted us as his own children. Because it says, uh, instead you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Which leads to my next point, adoption. In the same way that the language of slavery uh, would have resonated differently with the original, original audience, so would the language of adoption. Scholar F.F. Bruce says that in the Roman world of the first century AD, an adopted son was a son deliberately chosen by his adoptive father to perpetuate his name and inherit his estate. So someone who was adopted in the Roman world was actually fully embraced as if they were born from within that family. They were chosen so that they could receive the family's inheritance and so that the family's name would, would continue. So our God is actually being compared to having done the same with us, with me. God didn't hold auditions for his potential sons and daughters to make the cut of getting into his family. He wasn't my middle school basketball coach on the bench watching me as I tried to do a layup and then face planting and thus getting cut from the team. (laughs) Still still, uh, remember that one. But no, he knew that no matter how much I tried, no matter how much I performed, that I would never make it to him in my own striving. I was actually powerless to change my predicament. So God moved first. God actually sought me out and chose me even while I was at my worst. Ephesians 2, 4-5 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace that you have been saved. Think about when you were at your worst. For me, it was right after high school. I remember I was feeling like I was in a dark place because I was lacking purpose and falling into a lot of doubt about God. Maybe for you, it was a time when you were controlled by sin or lost in doubt, hiding in shame, crippled by fear, surrounded by broken relationships. Whatever it was, God loved you in that moment. He loved me in that moment. He saw you in that moment. And it was then that Christ died for you, that Christ died for me, making a way to actually adopt us into his family with open arms. So this is totally different than the, the soundtrack that can often play in my head. Um, sometimes I, I, 
in my head, I, I say things like, I have to perform before God and my peers to earn their acceptance. I have to constantly analyze my motivations to make sure I'm pure and holy in fear that if I don't, God's actually going to be disappointed in me. Or even worse, someone might find out that I'm not who they originally thought I was. This new soundtrack that is based around the gospel is totally different from what I just shared. And maybe some of you can relate to, to that soundtrack of what I just shared. But the gospel soundtrack says, there's nothing that you have done that can make God love you less. There's nothing that you can do that would make God love you more. This truth, this phrase has impacted me deeply because it tells me that my striving to perform can stop. My desire to be accepted and approved of by others can cease because God, my Father, loved me enough at my worst and accepted me then. He approved of me and welcomed me into his family as a child because of what Jesus has done. So the pressure is lifted and this burden that I have felt is light and my heart is free to enjoy the reality of being God's child. So you've not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father. So to show the intimacy and depth of this relationship that um, was had between God and his children, Paul uses the language of Abba Father. And Abba is an Aramaic word um, that was used between a child and a father in, in, that, in that time frame. And it simply originated from the babbling of a little child like Papa or Daddy today. It was Abba back then. And in the synagogue worship, Jews did address God as their father, uh, but not by this form. They used more formal language and said things like Father in heaven. So the fact that Paul was saying that we could call God our Abba Father would have been totally foreign to them. And that, uh, that level and depth of relationship and intimacy would have been very foreign to them. And yet it's the same level of intimacy and trust that Jesus had with God, his Father. In Mark 14, we see uh, Jesus experiencing so much anxiety that he begins to sweat droplets of blood as he mentally prepares for the torturous death set before him. But in this moment of distress and despair, he cries out, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but what you will. So when I was preparing for this, this totally blew my mind because we are invited to have the same level of relationship and intimacy with God, our Father, as Jesus had with God, his Abba Father. We have the privilege of using the name for God that was directly reserved for Jesus. And scholar Douglas J. Moo says that in crying out Abba Father, the believer not only gives voice to his or her consciousness of belonging to God as his child, but also to having status comparable to that of Jesus himself. So I don't know about you, but I have found that for me in my life, sometimes I've had a skewed view of God. I've believed um, God to be a God or a father who is, is disappointed in me. And as someone who is actually intentionally looking for things in my life to point out as mistakes or wrongs that I've done. But that is why the picture that I received in California two years ago has been so meaningful and has brought a lot of healing to me. Because uh, it showed me that God, as he looks down, that son actually delights and has joy in him. And it revealed the trust and depth of relationship that the son, the child, can have with his father. So knowing God as father counters any reason for fear for me. When I know that God is a father who is for me and not against me, who went out of his way to adopt me into his family, who accepts me, who protects me, who wants what's best for me, 
I have no reason to fear, for everything that I am looking for is found in God as my Abba Father. So my question for, for us today is, do you see God as Abba Father? As your dad who truly loves you? Do you have the relationship with God where in life's most challenging circumstance, like Jesus, you can cry out to God, your dad, and ask for help? If you don't, I've been there. But know that you can. That you can. But if you feel that you can't, that's okay. You're actually empowered to believe this truth about God by his spirit. So again, you have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you as his own children. Now we call him Abba Father, for his spirit joins with our spirit to affirm that we are God's children. So it can be so easy to fall into the lies of the enemy that say that you're not enough, you can't be used by God, you're fake, you're not accepted. But that's not from God's spirit. I'm speaking this over myself and I want to speak this over you today that when we put our faith in Jesus, the same cry that Jesus let out in the garden, Abba, Father, is said within our hearts from Jesus' Holy Spirit that lives within us, testifying that we are God's children. So will we choose to listen to what is already true of us? Will we receive and open the gift that has already been given or will we leave it under the tree yet another year? So to close, I want to invite us to, to apply this to our lives. And, and I've done this uh, in my life uh, personally and someone challenged me to do this and it's, it's been so helpful. So grab a piece of paper and we want to do three things. On uh, one side of the paper, uh, write out, answer the question, how do I see myself? And write out the, maybe the lies that you believed about yourself. And then on the same piece of paper, on the same side of the paper, lower, write out, um, ask, answer the question, how do I see God? What are the lies that you have believed about God? And then look that piece of paper over, read it over, and then turn the paper over because we want to turn from fear. We want to turn from those lies. And then on the other side of the paper, um, answer the question instead, God, how do you see me? Ask God that question, and even ask, ask that question as you read through Scripture. And then write out what comes to mind. And then lower on in that piece of paper, ask God the question, God, how should I see you? And write out what comes to mind, and even ask that question as you read through Scripture. So read over what, what God brings to mind. And then the third thing, so the first thing we did was turn from fear. We wrote out our fears and we turned from them. And then we allowed the Holy Spirit to affirm our identity as God's children and as God is Abba Father. And then the third thing we want to do that I've done in my life, I've found so impactful, is to rehearse it. So often I can uh, my, find myself rehearsing the lies because that's what's been so ingrained in me is to rehearse that. But God recently has been inviting me to rehearse truth. So we have the, the opportunity to either rehearse lies or we can rehearse the truth of who God is and who, God, who we are in light of who God is. Colossians 3, um, 23 says, But you must continue to believe this truth and stand firmly in it. Don't drift away from the assurance you received when you heard the good news. So it's my prayer that we would stand firm in the truth that God is our Father who sees you, who loves you, and who accepts you. And that we would have a healed and restored view of who God is and who we are. And that his perfect love would cast out all fear. So like I mentioned, I uh, wrote a song, and we're going to hear that song today. Uh, and this has been uh, a song that testifies to me coming out of 
fear and into adoption as God's child. And uh, this is a really meaningful song, and, and my dad is actually the one who reads the scripture over the song, and even that has brought a lot of healing because I know that my dad loves me so much, and I know that my heavenly father loves me so much too. So I pray that it encourages us today. <laughs> 